Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Talent development, it's not magic. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. On today's podcast, Paco Ortiz. He is the Senior VP and General Manager for Brazil and South Latin America at Zoetis, the largest pharmaceutical company with a singular focus on animal health. With 26 years of experience and working across geographies in Asia and the United States, Paco is passionate about leadership and talent development. Paco, welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast. Thank you, Dale. It's my pleasure being with you. And uh, we're, I'm excited for this conversation. We're going to get to know you uh, first. Now, I, uh, I understand that you have some bullfighting in your background, and it's turned out to be something that your kids are picking up as well. So tell us about your history with bullfighting. Well, I was raised, uh, born and raised in Mexico City. And as you know, we have as a heritage some Spanish traditions. Bullfighting is one of them. My, I have also some background on the Spanish uh, uh, family members. And since I was three years old, I was attending bullfighting in Mexico. And then when I was eight years old, I started practicing it with small calves. And when I was a teenager, I decided to try as a novel to become a professional. But there was a time that I needed to make a decision between my passion for bullfighting or going to college and, and to complete my degree as a veterinarian. And since uh, bull, uh, becoming a bullfighter, it was very difficult and, and very expensive, a lot of money to invest in. I decided to go to college and to obtain my degree as a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. And life uh, is a circle. And now once I have uh, three kids, one of them decided to go as well to college. And he's passionate about bullfighting and he's living now in Spain. Uh, practicing it and trying to perform as a professional one. Let's see if he has better luck than than the one that I had. Now, let's talk about the transition that you made into Zoetis and uh, what you do for the company as as your as senior VP and GM. Well, I, I joined this company 26 years ago in Mexico City as a veterinarian. I was uh, supporting uh, the technical services in Mexico mainly on the cattle segment. And after doing that role for a year or so on, I was leading the technical department, which involved support to swine, poultry, companion animals, and to take also responsibility on regulatory affair matters. And I did five years of technical functions, but since my starting at Soeris, Pfizer Animal Health at that time, I felt a lot of uh, connection with marketing and sales activities. And because of that, I did an MBA. I tried to prepare myself to get whatever opportunity was coming. And I obtained a role as a marketing and technical lead for the north of Latin America and had opportunity to lead a multifunctional team of marketers and technical people for swine and for cattle business in in the north of Latin America for a couple of years. And it was a surprise for me that at that time, my management called me and they said, we want you to run our Mexican operation. It was a challenge. It was an experience, a learning experience. I did that for five years. 
And after that period, they wanted me to extend to the South uh, Latin American countries the best practices, uh, something that I started to do from Mexico City. But after a year, they wanted me to go to Asia to transform our business model. And I went to Asia, starting living in Thailand and then moved to Shanghai. I spent five years there working with 15 markets and then came back to the U.S. to lead the global poultry business for Soeris based in North Carolina. I did that for three years and they asked me to come down then to lead the largest international market as such as Brazil. In addition to that, some of the other important Latin American markets such as Argentina, Chile, Ecuador and Peru. And this is what I am doing now. I'm very happy working with Soeris. I'm very happy on this journey that has represented a cross-cultural experience and a wonderful learning and working experience for me and for many other colleagues in that, that have been together with me in this journey. You have a wealth of experience from a global nature that we could fill countless podcasts just diving into specific topics. Our topic today is talent development, and, and you say it's not magic. So I understand that you you really lead 10 to 12 executives a year through talent development, leadership development. How do you choose those 10 to 12 executives that you work with each year as, as we dive into this topic of talent development? It's a, a very good question, Dale. Let me give you just a little bit of background on how this was initiated, because in fact, this came as a need. When I, I was asked to go to Asia, and I was given only with two positions, one marketing director and one finance director, and needed to implement a transformation of a business model in 14 different countries. I came back to my management at that time and I said, hey, you know what, I, I need additional headcounts. I need uh, some other functions to, to perform and to complete the plan as, as, as you want me to, to develop it. And remember that my boss at that time, he, he mentioned and he said, you want to have a bigger staff in Asia even bigger than the one that I have in New York. <laughs> and I said, no, it's not that. But So the point is that I didn't get the, the headcount that I was requesting. And my decision was, since I have a lot of passion to work with young people and to, to share experiences, no matter if they are good or bad, but to see also the development of people, I started with traveling across the different markets. And then I detect some people with potential, with those skills to help me to, to make that transformation that was representing a big change on our business model. And with this, I just appoint them as champions assign special projects that can help me lead the transformation. And it was the starting of a program that I call Talent Development. And it was a combination of putting in place real business uh, and life experiences for, for these guys, connecting with the, the challenges and the opportunities at business level. And on the other hand, it was the good opportunity to share my management philosophy with the with the group, to discuss about my learnings from other leaders. I wanted also to cascade the learnings that I have had in my career from other important leaders. And by sharing those experiences to contribute and to, I, I call to infect people mm -hmm. with this uh, philosophy. And, and this uh, philosophy that can help us to confront and to lead all the changes that are requiring a very changing environment as we are dealing nowadays in business. So that was the, the, the genesis of the talent program. And with this, I realized that 
uh, it was a good opportunity by implementing this program every year to bring some other colleagues in a huge organization as, as it is the one that we work for and bring that opportunity. And this is another very important learning that it is coming from one leader that I admire in previous experiences that he said, Paco, one of our major responsibilities as leaders is to create opportunities for people. And this is a way how I am uh, trying to contribute to that legacy by creating opportunities to people to, to show up and to demonstrate the kind of skills, abilities, and competencies that can help us in our company. So the way how I choose uh, the, the 10 uh, people that are going to participate every year is a very structured process, but very simple one. On one hand, I call all my leadership team members to discuss during our sessions that we call talent planning, where we review those potential candidates that they have some specific skills, that they are also good performers. And during that session, we discuss about who should be included in the pool of candidates to participate in the program. Together and with a very strong partnership with my HR colleagues, then we follow up on our internal processes on talent planning and we determine who, who are the candidates that are demonstrating the potential and also a good track of performance, and they are included in this list of candidates. This is giving the opportunity for many leaders to question, to challenge, or to support any one of the candidates that are presented. And on the other hand, I would say that I have an informal process, which is what I call to have a good eye for people. And don't get me wrong, I'm not pretending to be arrogant or something like that, but what I trust a lot, my intuition, when I observe people in different meetings, in uh, different working experiences, those observations, I bring them back when we are planning who should be part of this group. And also I consider my observations, my intuition, and my trust on people that I think that, that they can work. So it's a formal process uh, with a specific metrics that we are looking for in the candidates. And on the other hand, I would say is the experience of working with people along all these years. How long have you been using this approach? Well, uh, 11 years. 11 years. This is 11, 11 consecutive years that the program has been implemented, no matter which geography, country, or business res responsibility I am working on. Every year, uh, uh, this talent program has been implemented. So that's the internal. That's what it looks like internally. I'm curious to know the external side as far as the employees are concerned and the level of competition that you see. So people in the company want to be chosen to be one of the 10 to 12 who get to work through a year-long talent development process with you, I'm assuming. What is the level of competition that you see among the employees? Uh, of course, in every organization that I have implemented this, there have been a lot of questions around. No, You can imagine, we can mention about some ironic or sarcastic comments as, oh, Paco's kids are included, the rest of the team, they are not included. When, when, when I announce for first time in a specific country this kind of program. But when they see that the, the next year, the 10 colleagues that were a part of the program they are now uh, doing their 
normal duties. And another 10 colleagues, they are called to be part of the program. And they see that this is consistently executed every year and that there is a personal commitment, in this case for me as a, a senior leader in the organization, they started uh, getting more interested in being part of the talent. A lot of questions came from the colleagues. Why I'm not chosen? What is the process? But when you are transparent and you explain to them specifically the process that I described to you, they better understand that it is impossible that in a huge organization, every single guy could be included. And the, on the other hand, I want to spend uh, the time that I dedicate to this the group, that it is a time based on quality. And having a, a reduced number of participants allow me to follow up more directly with them rather than having 25 or 30 people. So a big class, I don't think that it's going to reflect a good result as it is when you are working with a small group. Mm. So being transparent and also setting up clear expectations that participating in this group is not representing, let's say, to assure them a promotion. This is not representing a, merit, a higher merit increase. On the contrary, this is representing additional work for them because this kind of uh, participation is coming together with the addition of a special project that they need to perform with clear key performance indicators and deliverables. So this is coming on top of their, their daily duties. And that is where we are seeing the commitment and the engagement of the people willing to take something on top of what they are doing normally. And once the, the expectations are set up and you present this program in a very clear way, the, how it is structured, how is the decision-making process. I think that people then, they, they trust and they, they get interested, and particularly when they see the results, because I can tell you, many, many, many people that have participated in these kind of programs, they have later on, once the opportunities are there, they have either expanded the roles, they have either been promoter, they have even been transferred to another function or to a different market. So it's a way also to, to help them to, to develop and grow in, in, in within the company, at least in the organizations that are under my responsibility and leadership. Now, as anybody who is following the Complete Leader Program knows, uh, there are a number of competencies that we as leaders work on. But what are the th top three competencies that you want to grow in the leaders that you're working with? Well, definitely the first one I am looking for is change management. And reason for looking at these competencies is because nowadays I personally think that it is uh, the business world and everything and such is happening in, in also in our personal lives. Change has been a constant, but even more important is now that speed is another part of the equation that has been added to this constant. So the way how you can adapt and how you promote uh, the change and the speed of the change in the organization is, is critical. And I will say that particularly it is important when you are working in high performance oriented uh, companies as I, I should say most of the companies in the, in the world they are. And it is important also to understand the, the way how they are expecting us to behave as leaders. So change is so important to, to, for us to better perform in the organizations 
that this is one of the competencies that I am looking for. And I am the kind of leader that thinks that change is uh, no ma not a matter of competency. Change is a matter of choice. And this is what I share with my colleagues. You want to change or you don't want to change? Because if you want to change, then the life will be easier. And if you want to change, you want to be just an adapter or you want to be a promoter? Because if you want to be a promoter, this is what we need in the organizations. We need the people that can that not only see the obstacles, but that they see the way how they can overcome those obstacles, no matter what changes need to be done in the organization. We need people that they don't come with, this is the way we are doing things. Okay, that's right. But what is the way how we can do things to better perform, to grow the business? Because in the end, I think that the, the name of the game here is growth. Every single company is looking for growth. And if you keep doing things in the way that you have been doing for a large period of time, definitely you will get to the same point. And what we need to, to do here is to, to get to a higher point. So that is the first competency that I am looking for, change management. And also a, a very important concept that I share with my colleagues is nowadays aptitude, the preparation that you have as a professional is very important. But if you don't have the attitude, no matter how many degrees you can obtain, to me, probably you are not going to be that kind of contributor that I need to develop uh, a strategy, an aggressive strategy that it is looking for growth. That is the, the, the first competency that, that, that I look for. Number two on your list. The number two is uh, definitely uh, accountability. Accountability, and I, I will add here uh, concepts, accountability, responsibility, and delivering. And that means that once we have the uh, a plan, then now uh, once we have a goal to, to pursue, there is no time for excuses. We need to go for it and we need to perform. And making people accountable on both, on our good and our bad results, is something that it's very important to develop in people. I remember one time that I was invited in Asia to give a presentation to 25 country managers from the human side in our company at that time. And I was a little bit nervous saying, well, what am I going to share with these guys? They asked me to, to share uh, good lessons on execution. And then you can imagine with the Asian uh, uh, style and culture that everything should be correct. They, they don't like probably to present the problems of the failures. Well, my presentation was related to my the worst year that I had as a manager when I was general manager in Mexico. And many people, they were surprised about that. They were saying, well, probably we were learning more about what you share on your failure than if you just came here to talk about your success. And I said, well, this is one of the, the, the main principles of accountability. We should feel comfortable talking about the good results in the same way that we should feel comfortable presenting and talking about the good results, no matter that this may cause us to feel uh, really bad. But this, this is a way that when we are confronting the problem, we are also being accountable to find the solution for that problem, not to present only excuses, and then to present alternatives that in the end could help us to deliver those results. So accountability is another uh, critical competency that we are uh, looking for. And number three on your list. There could be a, a debate because there are many other competencies, of course, that we need to have with leaders. 
uh, such as uh, negotiation, communication, leadership, interpersonal skills, and so on. But the third competency that I, I put a lot of attention is self-management. And this is also a learning coming from other leaders, past experiences. And what we are trying to do also with this program is to help the colleagues to better know themselves as leaders. And the, the experience that I share here is that once you know where your gaps are, you are taking away this possibility to other people to mention about you. Forget about that. You, you don't need to tell me that I need to develop my emotional intelligence or that I need to develop my strategic planning because I know that those are my gaps. And the point here is that if I am able to, to manage myself, then I will be in a better position to manage my team and to definitely lead a strategy. So through the program, and here is where I get the support from my HR business partners or even from consultants, as it has been the case during the last several years working together with Drone Price, to help my colleagues to know them better using different tools, assessments, and then providing them with mentoring or with coaching sessions that can help them to internalize who is that kind of leader that they are. And then once we get the results, we, of course, we focus a lot on those strengths. We keep an eye on the weaknesses. But something uh, that I also share with my colleagues is don't, don't focus just on the weaknesses because I also have learned personally that the weaknesses that you have will be there uh, forever. The, the point is that probably you are going to move your weaknesses from the starting point to a little bit better point. But if you just focus on your weaknesses, you are losing the opportunity to develop all the strengths that you have. So here, that, that level of competency in terms of self-management, knowing better the kind of leader that you are, can help a lot uh, you to develop yourself and then to better develop other colleagues in the, in the team. Let's dive deeper into just the one concept of change management. And I love why you say change is a choice. So what are, give me three ways that you work with this class on developing the ability to change, because I think we all realize that uh, just human nature is change resistant. So we've got to work on ourselves as leaders. Leaders lead themselves. We have to work on ourselves to be better at change, and it is a choice. So how do you do it? How do you lead people to choose change? Um, as I mentioned, one of the, the key fundamentals of the program is definitely to make people learn about uh, working real experiences. I am a strong believer on the principle that 70% of our learning comes from those real experiences when you have the opportunity to confront them. So once the candidates are included in this project, we have in parallel an evaluation of key imperatives of business projects that need to happen for us to succeed as well every year. And then we try to match the, the potential of the candidate with the project that it is available for them to lead. And we assign this project to the candidate. As I already mentioned, 
this project is coming on top of, of their daily duties. So this is representing a big challenge because it is not a matter that they are going to be separated from their function just to be part of the talent program. The talent program is representing an additional task for them. And that is where change started to come. I can say that every year from 10 people, I will say that three to four, they excel in, in the way they run their projects. Three of them, they definitely uh, achieve the goals. And probably another three, they are not precisely showing that level of uh, partnership or engagement. Anyway, they got the opportunity. It also gave us the, 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 the chance to look at those six to seven colleagues that they did very well and continue supporting them. So the first tactic is basically exposing them through this project, which represent that they come out of their comfort zone. Sometimes they are not experts on the project that they are going to lead. Uh, sometimes the project are linked to different uh, areas. Probably it's a marketer that is going to work on a cost of goods uh, issue, which is not precisely the area that he usually managed. And in addition to this, is every single project represents the challenge of working and interacting with different uh, functional areas, enabling functions, people where they don't have uh, a direct uh, authority, and they need to learn how to lead by influencing people and how to negotiate and how to make things happen, convincing people that this special project is going to be uh, a good solution for them, for the candidate, and for the company. That is the first tactic that we use uh, and that force a little bit the, the candidates to move into uh, an area where uh, they need to, to learn about change. Since every project has very specific key performance indicators, then we are also supporting the fact of the accountability, which is uh, they need to deliver the results. I am very clear with them because I remember a guy that he was saying, well, Paco, in, I accept to participate in this program, but then if I fail and I am not able to deliver the, the performance that it is expected on the project, will I be terminated? No, of course not, my friend, because you are taking the risk. You are willing to take the risk of running something special. And, and on the contrary, you will be recognized because you were brave, because you were hard. But the key performance indicators is just a matter how we can control the way how you are doing and about the success or not of the of the project. So that is the first tactic that helped a lot to develop the, the change management uh, competency. Number two on your list. The second one as well to promote change management is exposing them to senior leaders in the organization. So once they get the, the assignment, they, they have also a mentor in the organization that is helping them to develop the project and as a mentor on how to navigate in the organization. But they are periodically asked to present an update. And at least twice a year during the program, that update is presented to senior, senior leaders in the organization. It, sometimes they are also presenting to the executive team members or even to our CEO. Because I will say that I have received a strong support on this program from our CEO, from our executive team members. Uh, they are also strong believers in talent development. And every time that I have requested them to, 
hey, guys, I need two hours of your time when you are visiting a market, when you are coming to interact with people, because I want to present the talent group, and, and they are willing to do so. So you can imagine that in, in these projects, we have sometimes junior people that they never thought about being in front of the CEO of a big organization and talking about their project. And exposing them to, to these kind of challenges is making that they get prepared better, that they, of course, they want to give a good impression. They develop also abilities on how to prepare a 20-second elevator speech because they know that it is the unique opportunity to, to show the CEO and the executive team what they can do. And it has been providing very good results. I can tell you that people, after presenting to the CEO and senior leaders, and, and things went very well for them. They get uh, a lot of confidence and, and you can see how they are evolving later on when interacting with the rest of the organization. As if by presenting to the CEO was the way of saving a big obstacle and now they can do a presentation to anybody in the organization. What a great experience for, for those folks. So the third tactic that you're using to help people become better at change management. Yeah, I think uh, the third one is, is already connected to what I explained a little bit, which is uh, helping them to, to get a picture of uh, what their leadership style is, uh, what about their competences, the skills, the strengths, and also to help them to feel comfortable talking about weaknesses. In my experience around the world, I, I have realized that every single culture they they behave differently when they are talking or, 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 or the need to confront a weakness. Nobody likes to, 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 to talk about any kind of weaknesses. And particularly in some cultures in Latin America and in Asia, uh, we have very indirect communication. It is not in the, in the US or some European countries where we are very direct in, in the communication. And talking about weaknesses is very difficult for people. So we, we help them to understand all the, the pros and the cons of uh, their leadership styles using different tools, DISC 360 uh, analysis, coaching, mentoring sessions, any available tool that can present them a picture of uh, each one as leaders, and then to get the advice of the professional supported by our consultants, our HR leads, and, and to internalize that information. And... I will say these these difficult sessions for many many of them at the beginning, but later on uh, I have received also very positive feedback saying, you know what, Paco, the first time that I read my report, I deny I was that kind of leader. Then I went home on a Friday. I was a little bit disappointed. I read it on a Saturday morning. I read it on Sunday, and when I was back in the office on Monday, I realized, oh my God, yes. There, there are areas where I need to improve. Mm. It's another way to promote that change. Once they, they were able to change, to accept the change personal, personally, they will be definitely in a better position then to promote the change in our organization. Yeah, this has been, this is going uh, going long, but the, the story is fantastic. And I just want to have you take a few seconds to talk about, uh, from a teacher perspective, I, most anybody who has taught has the image of a person's face who has just really excelled and gone gone forth, and you are so proud of that person. What kind of 
tell me about a massive success story that you've seen out of out of the years that you've been doing this. Uh, somebody that you're really proud of that's really taken this training and t- gone to the next level in their career. Yes, I I have colleagues that uh, have participated and they know about the program, and they implemented in their own countries. And one guy that I think that because also his uh, strong uh, um, people skills and and the way he, he the capacity he has to to lead teams that was a colleague that reported to me when I was in Asia he was a country manager in Korea at that time nowadays he's leading uh, a, a huge market the city is Australia and and I would say that he bring this program to the next level you no know? he understood probably the way it was structured he put his personal touch as a very good chef, he probably makes some adjustments or changes accordingly to his environment. And he has been also very consistent implementing the program and creating opportunities for people. That is a colleague uh, called Lance Williams, and uh, that he is currently leading Australia market for Soeris. A global impact. And you're, you're using the Complete Leader book and process, and you have been for the last two years, correct? That's correct, because every single year, uh, part of the program is including weekly sessions. And before getting the complete leader, I was using different books, leadership uh, or stories about leaders in in the world as a reference, as an excuse, let's say, or putting in this way, to have some material to read about leaders and then to discuss within the group during our weekly sessions. But once Ron published the the complete leader, I said, "My God, this is uh, an extraordinary book that we should discuss with the group." So what we do is that uh, since we have 25 chapters and I have 10 people, every people is assigned with two to three chapters, and then every week they have the responsibility to to read about one of the competencies. There is one person assigned to present what he or she understood and, and what he wants to share about the competence with the group. And my HR partner and myself, we sit together with the group and then we, we try to connect those concepts with real business experiences that the people know, and even with experiences from the past coming from the senior leaders that we participate in the program. So the, the contribution of the, the complete leader in this program has been significant. Uh, and I can say that every single colleague that uh, has uh, the book in, in, in their hands and, and that they have met also Ron, because Ron participated at least once a year with these, uh, these groups, they are really impressed and, and they take a lot of advantage of the concepts that are included in the book. Mm. Paco Ortiz, I have so enjoyed this conversation and thank you for growing leaders on a global scale. It is, uh, it's exciting to hear what you're doing and the impact you're having around the world. So thank you for that. Thank you for using The Complete Leader. And uh, I wish you great success into the future uh, with Zoetis and uh, wherever your life takes you. This is The Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to The Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org. 